Good morning and welcome to The Parent Page, the podcast where we bring all the crazy from your kid's college parent page offline and give you the straight story from inside the ivory tower of a college campus. I'm Leslie Zox. And I am Mindy Horwitz. Welcome. Welcome. Good morning. Parents. How's everybody? Long week. Every week's a long week. Every week's a long week. Well, it's so great to be back in our podcasting corner in Mindy's basement. I've missed you. I've missed you. (laughs) I can't believe it's already time for season two. I know. I know. And we're going to just dive right in. It's going to be really exciting. Um, You know, it's been very interesting since we set up the parent page around the parent page podcast, which is a podcast about a parent page. It's become a very sort of (laughs) snake eating its own tail type situation. (laughs) But having set up a parent page about a podcast, um, we've been getting a lot of anecdotes from people out in the field. I love it that they're writing in. They're writing in and to our email, too, which I'll just tell everybody again is theparentpagepodcast at gmail.com. Please text, email us all of your crazy bonkers bananas <laughs> stories. Suggestions, questions. Suggestions, questions. Please address the following. We have a list as long as your arm now, which is great. It's going to be a lot of fun to chip away at them one at a time. But one of the ones that came up today I thought was super cute, and I thought you and I would um, have a good time talking about this. Um, A parent from, I think she said like Southern California or something, sending her child. To the middle of the Midwest. Was it the middle of the Midwest? No, she's coming from California to the Midwest. That's correct. Right. And totally unfamiliar with our weather patterns. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Like, they don't own clothing to survive in a a climate below 60 degrees. They don't. They don't. They don't own that stuff. Mm. Um, I remember when I was uh, actually a kid at camp. And uh, one of my fellow campers was from Hawaii, uh-huh. and she had lived her whole life in Hawaii. Right. And we were in, you know, Michigan for summer camp, which was Michigan in the summer, which was lovely. And But she said to me, is it true that in the fall, the leaves change color? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, yeah. I mean, of course they do. But I think in her mind, she thought as she stood there looking at a tree, they would immediately change from green to orange to red. You know, like she could just stand there watching it like television. So sweet. It was so cute. I was like, they do, but it's kind of over several weeks. It's not like all immediate. It was very cute. My 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 son's in California, and I think he was looking forward to um, the cons. You know, the the weather that's beautiful every day. Yeah. But I think once you're there, you. He misses the seasons where they are excited to come here and experience seasons. Absolutely. Uh, When we lived in California, we would forget what time of year it was. Right. Back east, as we say in California. And we'd have to stop and think, it's February. What do people wear in February back east where I am going this weekend and need to stay warm? Somebody tried to break it down for me. You need a hoodie. You need a vest, maybe, a lightweight, and one for those cold days. Lots yeah. Four different... Here, here with here, us in the Midwest. Here with us, sorry. Yeah, no, I think it's actually maybe just even a, a little more complicated. You need a raincoat. <laughs> right. I remember this past fall, I was. it was the first week of classes. It might have even been like the second day of classes, and I was sitting in my office, which kind of overlooks a major student traffic area Mm -hmm. and as I was sitting there um, a a huge storm rolled in and just 
it was like a monsoon just dumped all over these kids as they're rushing off to their first week of classes. And I thought to myself, based on my highly unscientific survey work, sitting there in my <laughs> perch, um, 100% of the students at this university do not own raincoats. <laughs> they just, it, I mean, they were obviously unprepared for the weather to change so quickly. I but remember that. They just didn't, it never occurred to any of them, even while it was raining outside, to grab their Raincoat. But that's me. I would forget my <laughs> raincoat too. Um, no I, umbrellas, no raincoats. Right. No I, I can relate with them. My <laughs> they my, were sopped. <laughs> my son, um, his apartment was robbed. <gasps> I can't say that. Don't tell my mom. Oh, oh. Does she listen to the podcast? No, she doesn't listen. Okay, so then don't worry about it. Keep nobody going. tell my mom. It's okay for and uh, don't cut it. Let's keep going. So yeah. his apartment was robbed in the. Um, uh, several months ago in the fall. Which student are we talking about here? My oldest student didn't lock his back door. I don't, oh. And so someone came in while they were sleeping, took their TV, took his backpack with his laptop. Oh, my God. And and went. And so... Um, oh, my God. I know. It, it, it freaked them out a little bit. Not enough necessarily to lock their doors as well as they should, but yeah. what can you do? And, he, and the neighbor next door was robbed the same night somebody crawled in through the window. Okay. So um, this is just a little bit along the same lines of being unprepared. So my son had his backpack stolen. We gave him a backup laptop to to get you know, him be, through to get him through before he could replace the one that was stolen. And I guess he would walk back and forth to class carrying this laptop and his books because he didn't think to replace his backpack. <laughs> So, so one of my mini nose. I'm sorry, kids, that's so cute. It's so, so one of my mini, so one of my mini nose kids apparently, uh, like sort of a, you know, has become a friend at this point. Yeah. Saw him walking with his backpack and his books, and she said, "Where's your backpack?" He said, "Well, it got stolen." She said, "Well, I have an extra. Backpack. I have a bunch of extras. Can I give you one?" Please and so she gave back. him her extra Jansport, and he's been sporting in Jansport ever since. Ever since. We have like 15 extra backpacks at home. There's no shortage, but he oh, didn't right. think to, to ask. Ask for the actual <laughs> backpack. Yeah. I'm imagining him putting it in like a shopping bag. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the rain. In the rain. In the rain, which is where a backpack Aww. comes in. in the, like, of course, no raincoat, no umbrella, but no back, you know, yeah. something to protect yeah. it. Well... You know, back to the original note from the field, which was, how, what do they need? I had she asked the cutest question, something like, "Does she need a like a down parka?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, she she does." And that's inconceivable to somebody coming from like Florida or something like that. But I think you had it right. Like the and it's all about degrees. So the hoodie, the sort of light fall jacket, the raincoat, the fleece, the fleece. And then the cold. And then the cold, like it is cold and you need to get your butt to class and just put the whole thing over whatever you're wearing. That's a whole lot of coats for a little dorm room. It's a whole lot of coats and I don't want to suggest that parents need to spend just buckets and buckets of money, but I've seen a lot of these options, really affordable, great options, like at a Target or something. Like there's no reason to spend any more money than that right. on, on some of those things. They get left. They get left, they get lost. Right. I think, yeah, I think it's possible that my son is going to um, confess to me shortly that he's lost yet another raincoat. 
Um, and this might be the first year at the age of 19 that I tell him he's just going to have to go find himself a new raincoat. So. We have different kids in our families that, that get different um, courtesies. So one kid gets the nicer raincoat, one get, kid gets the Target raincoat. Within the same family. Within the same family, because we know our customers. One of them is going to leave it everywhere he goes. Right, And right. one of them is going to take care of it. Yeah. So you know your kids. And, and let's not miss the opportunity to also point out that <laughs> these kids are not too old to have their names written in things. Never too old to have their... Never too old. Right. Uh, on that note, yeah, I had a, a parent call me this week in a, in a bit of a panic. Her, her kids had a bunch of ups and downs this year, as they all have. Yeah. And the lawn, she used a laundry service. And when her laundry came back, it was all men's laundry. It was boxer shorts and... Um, you know, dirty, you know, I would stuff. have paid her money to just wear that stuff. <laughs> I would have been like, she what do this. I have to do to get you to just wear this? It was two weeks <laughs> worth of laundry and it was all gone. And um, the girl had to wear the same pants every day until oh, um, no. it was a little bit of a panic. So I, I, yeah. I brought her over, her mom sent a box of stuff. I brought yeah. it over to her and eventually they returned it and she got everything back. But Awesome. It was a little bit unsettling to lose everything for a few days. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But if her name had been in it, it might have been easier. It it's kind of like hurt. losing your luggage when you're on going on a trip. Just like it. It's just like losing your luggage. Just like it. But so. as a parent, you get we get so nervous when our kids yeah. call us in a panic. Yeah. I've been hearing a lot of stories from my kid who does not have a laundry service on campus. Mine neither. Right. About... Um, the um, the customs of the laundry room. And oh. so apparently these kids, you know, it's all sort of digital. Like you're supposed to put your, your ID in and it charges your, I don't know, it charges your ID or something. One of these very bright um, undergraduates from our local university found the manual online for the washing machine and discovered, I should, probably shouldn't be telling the world this, but discovered that there is a code that you can punch in and it'll just do your laundry for free. It's well, like when the vending machine shoots out two bags of Doritos. That's right. And they all shared this code around. So now the entire dorm is doing their laundry <gasps> for free oh. because they all know the code. Oh, hi. And you found out about this through your son? My son just told me. But he's still paying. No, no, no. He's using the code. Like everybody <laughs> else. He's like, why would I pay the $1.50 when I can use the same code everybody else is using? It's like a bonus. Bunch of little smart ass anyway. <laughs> little little pre felons stealing laundry from the university. Pre felons. Pre felons. <laughs> White collar criminals in training. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. That's great. Well, we have an exciting episode, an exciting guest to talk about um, after the break today. We are going to talk more about the need to, as between parent and child, the need to plan those in those last couple of months um, of the student living at home, plan around some um, medical maintenance to having that last doctor's appointment, transitioning from the pediatric care to the adult care, what to think about before you go off to college, um, and then how to potentially manage ongoing medical needs once you get to campus. We have a great guest joining us, um, so stick with us, stay with us, and um, we'll be back right after the break. Thanks for listening.
So, Les, let's get down to work. What okay. do we have lined up for today? Great. Yes, let's get down to business. That's what we're here for. <laughs> um, okay, so everybody understands that our students are standing at the cusp of adulthood. Um, we've discussed in season one legal issues, mental health topics around this. It's a running theme about how students start to take more agency over um, some of their uh, just ongoing ongoing issues going forward. But nothing is more indicative of graduating into adulthood than um, moving on from being considered a pediatric patient into being an adult patient. And what a lot of people don't know is that as many as 20%, which is crazy, which is a lot, of college students have specialized medical needs. And um, there's extra care required in transitioning them into uh, self-management yeah so uh, something that parents re really need to plan for well in advance this time of year really it's a great time um, well in advance of their students going off to college so um, I, I don't know if you have any memories of this now that you have you know son of the pod Josh Horowitz when I when we went in in the spring his birthday's in the spring so we went for his annual visit every spring so when we went in the spring of his senior year the our pediatrician told us that he'd be being kicked to the curb <laughs> he had one more year like that he would cover him for his first year of college and then he yeah. was out and we had to find a um an a big boy doctor right yeah which was a huge which was a huge transition i he was so used to this care of the pediatrician yeah. and then he an extension of you guys right and then having to manage it on his own it's definitely kind of a shock um, so I, as parents are working through their mental checklists of things that they need to do over the next few months before they send their children off to college, we wanted to make sure we covered this topic and gave everybody some practical advice on how to prepare. So um, we have actually one of my very favorite physicians on the planet joining us today to talk about this. Um, is somebody with whom I have a, a, a history through uh, another one of my alma maters, through the Interlochen Arts Camp. I'm very excited to introduce today to the Parent Page podcast audience, Dr. Steve Brown. And Dr. Steve Brown has actually a very interesting um, biography. He's done some incredible stuff in the area of family medicine. But when I asked him to send me his bio, he sent me about three sentences, not even three sentences, like one run-on sentence. I'm going to read it, but it doesn't do, do him justice in any way. Um, Dr. Steve Brown is a family physician, professor, and medical educator in Phoenix, Arizona. And also his daughter, whom I also know, is in her first year of college in a great big city over 2,000 miles from her hometown. Welcome to the Parent Page Podcast, Dr. Steve Brown. Steve, thanks for getting up early with us in Arizona. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for providing so much wisdom on the craziness of the Parent Pages. <laughs> wisdom. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> you're just making us blush, Steve. Thank you so much. Um, anyway, you're just, you're, you've been so gracious about joining us this morning, and you are in such a unique and wonderful position to help us understand what this transition is like. Um, can you help us understand what the first, first and foremost, what is the role of a family physician as opposed to a pediatric physician so that everybody understands a little bit about your perspective on, on care in general? Yeah. So family physicians, we take care of people across the lifespan. We deliver babies. We take care of newborns. 
We take care of adolescents, adults, uh, geriatric patients. So in many cases, I've taken care of three and four generations of people. Um, and so with regard, you know, that's different from a pediatrician who will take care of someone from zero till maybe 18, or as you said earlier, Mindy, maybe 19 or 20, or I've talked to some pediatricians that will go up to 21. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that's one of the most important distinctions when, you're, when your kid is moving off to college and you're transitioning care is, is the doctor at home a pediatrician or family physician? Because if they're a pediatrician, they're probably going to have to transition care from their home doctor as well as to, you know, moving to a new state. Great. Great. Thank you so much. And are other than just age, like, are there other defining elements that the medical medical community consider when they think of, okay, this is a peds patient versus an adult patient. And Sometimes, you know, the scenario I'm actually thinking about that I've always kind of wondered about is in an emergency, you know, you've got a kid that, you know, maybe they're 18 or 19. Do they drive to the children's hospital or do they drive to the That's a great big kid hospital? Like what's some of the defining elements there? I, I think maybe every hospital has its own rules, but every hospital is required to do like at least an exam to see how the person's doing. So I think if a 45 year old shows up at a pediatric hospital, <laughs> they're at least going to look at them and make sure they're okay. Stabilize them. <laughs> but, but for the purposes of like a, a, of a pediatric office, um, most pediatricians will start to transition between maybe 18 and 21. Right. Got it. As you know, we are trying to help parents prepare their students as they send them off to college for the first time. So many families will choose to have a last appointment at home in the spring before they go. Like you did with Josh. Yeah, well, correct, correct, yeah. correct. That's when I learned that we were... Getting kicked to the curb. Getting out. Yeah. Anyway, what items should be on the checklist and is there anything to do in preparation for, for the send-off to university? Um, yes, there are quite a few things that you want to make sure that the that the young adult has before they go off to school. And one is, I think, the the doctor and and you should probably have a, a pretty honest conversation about what is the what will be the involvement of that doctor from there on. So we talked about the pediatrician and the um, and you mentioned that twenty percent of kids have a, like a, a health need. And so I think that's going to be a big issue for transitioning that. So do I need a chronic medication that I'm going to have to figure out how to get, you know, 2000 miles away from home? Um, hopefully by this point, the, 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 the young adult would know their doctor already and had already had multiple private conversations. We start that generally in early adolescence, you know, kick the parent out. And if you're a parent, you should offer to be out of the room and also uh, kick yourself out if the doctor won't kick you out because sometimes for doctors that can be harder. But hopefully you've already had private conversations with your doctor about um, alcohol. The child has already had conversations about alcohol, drugs, uh, contraceptives, um, mental health issues, suicidality, a lot of those things that adolescents face that they might not want to talk about in front of their family. And then lots, not every um, not every child is in a safe situation. So lots of times we talk about that with kids, you know, before they go off to college. But the big checklist for college is, um, you know, what are the chronic conditions? How are they feeling about it? You've already talked a lot about mental health, so I won't mm -hmm. go into that mm -hmm. too much. But how are we going to get our medical records 
you know, to the, mm. to the new place if I have a chronic condition, but then just the regular, you know, anticipatory guidance things, vaccines, um, how are we going to, you know, are we going to be, have food or what's the health insurance situation, which maybe we can talk about what's going to be, what are they going to do for exercise? Uh, what, you know, what about sexuality relationships? Are they going to be doing sports? Are they, how are they going to exercise? There's a lot to cover in that visit, but, um, those are just a few of the examples. Yeah. Let's talk for a second about uh, the concept of vaccines. And I'm not yeah. interested in getting into a controversy about pro-vaccine versus anti-vaccine. There's no controversy. No, there's no, con there's, it's not a debate, right? I Correct. Think, okay, fine. And if anybody disagrees with that, they can log off our podcast and, and that's fine. Yeah. I'm sure you can bye -bye. find another podcast that will support your perspective and we respect that and off you go. Bye-bye. Um, but, uh, one thing that, um, you know, I just remember growing up as a child of an actual pediatrician that my dad used to, um, I, I just, he's, he's going to deny this, of course, but I recall him keeping vaccinations in the refrigerator, um, and just jabbing them with us at home. And I'm, I'm sure I'm making this up and he's going to object. But anyway, um, on the subject of vaccinations, the thing that he always was anxious about when my brother and I went to college or when my children start going off was did they have the right vaccinations for this cohabitation scenario where right. a lot of teens are living together and just everybody's patient zero for something? So what vaccinations are really critical for parents to be aware of are strongly prescribed and recommended for this stage of life? Well, the big one that that comes at 16, um, which you certainly should have before you go to college is meningococcus. It almost seems quaint to talk about meningococcus in an era of COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yes, that was what we used to spend a lot of time worrying about. And that's what, that's the sort of cohabitation. Yeah. Thing. And what's the but, common, the common, um, term for that vaccination? It's meningitis, correct? Yeah. Right. Yeah. The meningitis vaccine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and can you talk just a little bit more about why that's such a concern in cohabitating situations? Yeah, and I, um, I guess, I mean, it's still a very rare disease, but for some reason, young, per young people get that when they're in, you know, like it, it comes up in like military barracks or dorms or uh, it's still very rare, but obviously meningitis is a very severe illness. So mm -hmm. we'd love to prevent that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are there other... I was th this sending... Uh, my daughter off to college there were like all these pages of like uploads of vaccine stuff you know in the olden days you used to just carry like a copy of your vaccine card which you have that that card that you take everywhere yeah this year it was like there were like 14 pages of uploads and your insurance card and your vaccine card and so so get ready for that yeah lots of just uploads be of prepared vaccines. for lots of vaccine i feel as though i've had yeah. seven different shots well, I'm over 50, yes. but I feel as I've had just a ton of shots in this past year. I feel like a pincushion. Okay, so I think a lot of what we're concerned about in terms of helping support our students and transitioning to their own healthcare maintenance is working to proactively establish care plans with students, even if they don't have existing medical conditions. And one of the things that I've noticed on our parent page is the urgency around finding medical care at a distance. Do you have any recommendations as to how families who don't necessarily have a child with an ongoing medical issue, some of the things they might want to plan for and consider? I think it would be great for every incoming college student to know where they're going to go when they need care. 
Um, so like, is that a tour? Is that a, how do you like physically figure out where it is? And um, I don't know what the college, uh, you know, um, counts, the ca college health center is like on your campus, but I think in some campuses it can be a little bit disjointed and maybe a little bit more like episodic rather than like chronic, you know, long-term relationship care. Um, and so I think I, I would probably just start there and have the child or the, the young adult <laughs> visit there to start with early on. Um, but if they really have no health needs, then I think it's kind of weird for the kid to be like, hi, I'm here. <laughs> so uh, I think it's just figure out where they're going to get their primary care. And depending on whether they're connected back to their doctor back home, many parents will just continue to do the visits back at home, Right. say it at break or in the summer. And so if you only need a yearly checkup, then maybe you don't need to establish care in your new city. So COVID and has changed everything in terms of medical care, it feels like, and now we have this whole world of telehealth that I didn't really know about before. Does that work in college? Could, could the students just be Zooming back with their doctors at home? I think it's hard because there are certainly times that we want to see the person in person mm -hmm. that we that we can't fully formulate a plan or figure out what's going on. And I and I don't I think it depends on the state, but we don't do a lot of like telehealth across state lines. I think you might have to have like there's services that do telehealth and they, I think those doctors have to have licenses in like lots of different states, but it, it will be very common on the college campus to do telehealth. And I'm sure you've heard about telehealth uh, counseling. Right. It's certainly something that's happening now. All that has started in the last two years. So I don't think the young person should count on telehealth back to their doctor at home. Okay, good. Yeah. I've noticed that that is, something that parents try to make work, especially in situations where prescriptions have run out and they need to um, quickly get refills. And it becomes pretty apparent pretty quickly that relying on telehealth four states away is not really viable. Well, what about, um, what about the local urgent cares, um, Steve? Is that, is that the option or how do you feel about that? Urgent care um, is really just like sporadic care. So as, as a family physician, I really believe in the long-term healing relationship. And I know that that's not always like a, a real important priority for young people. They'll usually take convenience over continuity any day. Mm -hmm. um, but urgent cares can be, I think they over-test lots of times. They're, um, I don't I don't know if the care is always the best there. Sometimes that's what you need. Like I have a sore throat. I need to know if I have strep throat, it's 5 p.m. on a Friday, maybe an urge if the, you know, health center at your university is closed, then maybe that's the best place. They're good for certain things. They're not a good plan for long-term care. Got it. So Steve, I know that your firstborn is half a continent away. <laughs> um, and, and so you must have, you know, gamed out many scenarios in your head just as a parent and as a physician as to how your family's managing her care at a distance. Um, in an ideal situation, you know, what would you, what would you advise parents to prepare for? Does she have a physician in her, in her city where she is? She's in New York city. I'm just going to say it. Um, does she have a physician that she can access there? Like what did, what did you guys plan to do under this situation? So she does not have a physician there. 
Um, we may have just mailed some medications uh, <laughs> by FedEx across state lines in the last week. Please don't get um, yourself so, in trouble, Steve. Not for us. Yeah, no. And I and I, I think that's legal except for uh, controlled substances. So please don't mail controlled substances. Good across point. State lines. And what would a controlled substance be in this case? Like like an ADHD treatment, like Ritalin, methylphenidate for ADHD. And Got actually, it. so I was talking to a couple of my pediatrician friends getting ready for this and one of my pediatrician friends her son has a medication for adhd and he takes paper prescriptions written out by his family physician back home and goes to the pharmacy at his school once a month and gets this medication written by his doctor back home uh, many states away so I think those that's an example of where you're going to really have to prepare in advance mm -hmm. because um, I actually don't know if it was legal to, to mail the medications that we mailed to my daughter across straight line, but I would certainly not even consider that with a controlled substance like, like, a, like ADHD treatment. Very, very important point. And I'm glad that you've outed yourself here, um, Steve. <laughs> I hope we haven't gotten you in trouble. But it's a good point that, you know, whatever the plan is, it's got to work and you've got to come up with it in advance, which it sounds like in that in that case they did. My son needed a medicine and they were going to give him 30 days and I begged the pharmacist. Was this your son in California? Yeah, my son in California. So yeah. I begged the pharmacist. I had to pay out of pocket, but to me it was so much easier to get him 90 days of his medicine than to have to go through deal with it later yeah. so we just did a 90 we thought about when spring break was will 90 days cover it and mm -hmm. boom mm -hmm. done yeah it's all about planning i think is the point here absolutely i mean that's it. like the theme of your podcast right like yeah if you think ahead then these things will not be a big deal but if you're trying to get a refill of a medication friday at 4 p.m mm -hmm. uh you're and you're you know calling states away you're that's not gonna work not gonna work can i ask a question that's not that we weren't really planning on, but um, mono? Mono. I, th I thought of mono. As soon as he said um, meningitis, I was like, they what about mono? They all get mono. <laughs> what can we do about that? <laughs> um, I may have had mono in my senior year of college. <laughs> the kissing um, disease? Yeah. So, I don't know. Nothing you can do about it. It's like you kid gets sick. You hopefully... They go to their, you know, campus health center, figure out that it's mono, rest, get better. There's no treatment for it. Um, hopefully do your work. Nowadays you can go to your classes online. Uh, but basically you just need to like rest and get better because there's not really a treatment for mono. Sweat it out. That's what I remember. Just <laughs> sweating it out constantly. I heard you can get mono twice. Yeah. That it lives inside of you and that it can reactivate. Is that true? I I, I think that... Are, are you thinking of herpes, <laughs> the cold sores? No, um, no, no. I'm literally... What is the underlying virus that causes mono? It's... Epstein-Barr. Epstein-Barr. Oh, Epstein and that you kind of always carry it and that it can still cause I would problems. certainly not... I would certainly consider mono a second time if a child already had mono one okay. time. Yes. I was surprised yeah. when I learned that. You know, I got mono in sixth grade and my nickname was Mono Mindy. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> maybe this is not a podcast about childhood trauma. Okay, let's and move. you were like, and you were, you told your parents, I got it because I drank out of a cup for another child. <laughs> another child. I certainly did. That's it was definitely happened. from drinking from a cup. It wasn't the kissing disease. 
Okay, so here's a topic that um, probably a close second behind the vaccination non-debate is the some questions around preparing your child from a sexual health perspective. Um, and actually, you know, crossover with vaccination um, as well. So I want to give Steve just a minute to kind of set the record straight for us on what you recommend as a family physician for, for students leaving home and, you know, the kinds of things that as a parent, we should just accept that they are, um, that they're needing to prepare themselves for. Yeah, so that becomes part of the visit that I have with adolescents at a relatively young age is you kick the parent out and you start asking them about um, who are they interested in, um, what kind of things have they done, have they drank from other children's cups. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so, so, yes, sexual health is a really important topic that should come up well before this, you know, going off to college topic. But certainly... For, um, for young people who can become pregnant, that, that conversation is, I think, really important starting as early as age 15. And so does, a, does this person with a uterus um, want to have long-term implantable contraception? They want to have an, an intrauterine device? Do they want to use birth control? Do they want to have Depo-Provera, which is every three-month shots? And so that conversation should start early. And then the people that can't become pregnant should have uh should know that they should be there should be condoms everywhere when we when we checked my daughter into school there was a wall that had a dispenser that literally had a thousand condoms in it fantastic so, yeah <laughs> and they should make chandeliers out of condoms in 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 college chandeliers um, or like yeah. a pinata so, full of condoms exactly like, yeah, exactly so, so that good. should be really like destigmatized um on college campuses and hopefully it is. Um, and then they, um, people who are especially, uh, so it's recommended for young women who are sexually active to get screened for STDs, gonorrhea and chlamydia, um, because that can lead to infertility if they have, a, they have it and they don't know it. Um, so that can be a conversation for people who are having sex. But not for then, the not for the male? It, so it's definitely a conversation like you should be preventing STDs. This is your responsibility, but it's not recommended to screen Interesting. Um, for, for screening everybody. You can screen people who are, have multiple partners um, from mm -hmm. like a public health perspective. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we used to talk about the HPV vaccine, the human papillomas virus vaccine in this age group, but actually now that started as early as nine. So most of those kids will come into their teens having already been recommended or received the HPV vaccine, which obviously is um, amazing. It's a cancer vaccine. It prevents yeah. um, cervical cancer. Yeah. It's funny, just a, just a quick sidebar. When we first moved into the dorm as a family, and Steve, as you know, my family's been living at, on our campus. Um, my daughter at the time, I believe, was maybe 12 or 13. And I walked out into the hallway of the dorm. Um, we were on our way somewhere and she had just wandered out ahead of me and she was standing there looking at a bulletin board that was populated with all of these Pokemon characters. And somebody had used these Pokemon characters as avatars for various <laughs> STDs because apparently the Pokemon game is catch them all or something like that. And, yes. and the, the very clever...
local university health service per- person had instead changed it to don't catch them all. Um, and so my daughter was standing there, star- 12 years old, standing there staring at this board. Uh, and she's kind of reading all of them. You know, she's got a mind like a little sponge. And she turns to me and she says, so as far as I can tell, going to college is just about joining acapella groups and avoiding sexually transmitted diseases. Basically. That's college, right? I've got it. That is is college. That is. (laughs) Maybe I should just turn my um, pre-college counseling sessions into that. Don't catch them all. Just don't catch them all. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like that. You've got it, sweetie. That's, That's the big mystery of college there you go um all right anyway thank you for covering that topic steve it's a really super important one and probably one we could spend an entire episode on in in the future yeah and also just um i don't i can't remember if i mentioned this but alcohol and substance use is also a huge issue on college campuses and so students should should know they should have a trusted um physician that they can talk to about those issues and that's also something that i start talking about um, with kids in adolescence in in practice and that they should uh, you know be aware of how to get help for those kinds of things you've obviously talked about mental health a lot on here uh, but that would be a really important referral for somebody who you know has a therapist at home um, has had an issue of history of of substance use that kind of thing so that's yeah. also a really important topic yeah. Also, I, I mean, I appreciate the fact that I think my son's physician flat out told him, here are the signs and symptoms of alcohol poisoning, and here's what to do to get help for somebody who you think is, you know, headed in that direction, and don't mess around, just get help. So, I and I appreciated him being really, really frank about yeah, that. Yeah, that's useful. Yeah. Steve, can you address healthcare insurance? Um we know there are options for families, but it's hard for the students themselves to find health care coverage. Any any yeah. insight into that? It seems like that's a biggie, too, how to navigate health care access for students. Does your school require students to have health insurance? Yeah. Ours I, does, I think, yes. Yeah, because mm-hmm. when we signed our daughter up, you, that was another one of like the 16 forms that we had to send in was like, a waiver saying we're not buying the college that's health right. insurance. I believe that's what um, I did as well. So yeah, I think yeah. every child enrolled will be expected to have some kind of insurance. Now, um, you know, this is a whole other topic, the American healthcare system and how it costs too much. Um, and so insurance is expensive and parents shouldn't blame the school for that. They should blame our dysfunctional healthcare system. Um, but the Affordable Care Act made it so people can be on their parents' insurance until they're 26. So if if parents are employed, their child can be on their insurance till they're really not a child anymore, till they're 26 years old. And so in, under those circumstances, you can waive the college insurance, but it might make it complicated to get care depending on what kind of coverage plan you have and what the co-pays are and right. who covers what. And I think that's that's the hardest part. And I don't know if, if you've run into this, Mindy, with people looking for specialist care It'll be like, oh, that's not covered under my insurance, and Doctor So and So is really great, but they don't accept my plan, and so I think that can be that can be tough to navigate. And so, if a child requires subspecialty care, that's probably something that you will have had to work out before the child goes off to school. Again, it's all about having a plan, for sure. It's hard enough to get into a specialist without even worrying about the insurance piece of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, well, and honestly, that's hard in your own town. 
Correct. Um, depending on what the specialist is, I, I'll refer a patient and there'll be a wait list for three or six months. Right. Yeah. And then sometimes if it's urgent, I'll call and say, hey, you know, you really need to see uh, Mrs. Smith next week. Um, but so sometimes you might need th that's another reason why even if you think you only need subspecialty care, why it might be good to get hooked up with a primary care doctor, because the primary care doctor can advocate uh, for the subspecialty care also. Yeah, I have started openly advising parents on our parent page to think ahead and find a local physician to get, you know, to get on their on their clipboard with. Which um, is a hard, it's a hard ahead. sell because the kid, the students don't want to go into a doctor for no apparent reason. They just went to the doctor and then to, to yeah, but to initiate that that relationship with someone locally is it? It's kind of like a secret. It's kind of like a secret, uh, like cheat code, like the right. kids playing video games. If you have a doctor, even if you just showed up to that primary care doctor one time and were just like, hey, I'm, you know, Susie, um, right. you're my doctor now, then that doctor <laughs> now will advocate for you. Um, so maybe having a primary care doctor, maybe that's like a cheat code for subspecialty care also. Oh, I think it's great advice. Yeah, yeah. And, and great time of year now before students are coming four months from now, it's ideal timing because it can take easily four to six months, even with just a primary care physician right. to get to get an appointment. So and I think that's a that's a lot harder for me to do um, multiple states away. So it's hard enough for me to find subspecialty care for my patients in Phoenix, Arizona. I, I don't even think I would try to find one. You know, sometimes I'll have do you know a good dermatologist? Um, no, sorry, I don't know any dermatologists in North Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And no, I can't, you know, browbeat a, a dermatologist in North Carolina have time exactly. to wait into seeing exactly. you any sooner than their, you know, than their administrative assistant can get you in. Exactly. Um, well, this has been extremely helpful, and I think you've really helped our community understand the importance of planning ahead and having frank discussions and um, and just having a plan even in situations where your student is pretty straightforward that can change on a dime yeah. um, not to scare the crap out of anyone but it's it's like having an insurance policy in place in general is having the the support system the medical support system in place for you as well so important words of wisdom from dr. Steve Brown thank you so much now before we let you go Steve oh yeah um, as a avid parent page follower yourself I think you you indicated to us that you had your own favorite parent page and this is our totally our jam so please yeah. share with us your favorite parent page anecdote from your own university that I'm not going to name unless you would like to name them. That's entirely no, that's okay. up to you. <laughs> no, you, you both spend way more time on parent pages than I do, but in, especially in the beginning, I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, scrolling and, and someone needed to address the crazy. So I appreciate that you're doing that. Um, <laughs> well, but there just was to be a, clear, we're no less yeah. crazy than anybody else on our parent pages. We're just yeah. the only ones willing to actually you right, know, spend time right. on a podcast talking about it. So go ahead. So our daughter is in New York City at a private university for college. And there was a, like, around September, I want to say, when she had been there a month, there was a, like, very public national uh, weather event that hit New York. There was, like, massive flooding. Did you see the pictures of the subway, like, 
there was like water pouring into yes. the subway. Anyway, so there was like yeah. a ton of rain. And one of the dorms flooded, like the basement of the dorm flooded in New York City. <laughs> and so um, everyone, you know, we were texting our daughter and we we're like, how's it? Are you OK? She's like, yes, the weather's crazy. It's crazy. I'm whatever. not going down the basement, but I'm OK. Yeah, exactly. No, it wasn't her dorm. But, <laughs> okay. but so but all the kids were obviously in from in that dorm were sending pictures to the other kids, but also to the parents I... about how the dorm was flooding. <laughs> and so the parents were posting the pictures of the flooding dorm on the parent pages. And they were like, what should my child do? Uh, should they evacuate? Um, who's going to take care of cleaning this up? Like, oh, it's really muddy down there, whatever. And then one of the parents is like, don't worry about it. Like the school will take care of it. If they need to relocate them, they'll clean it up. It's fine. It's fine. Uh -huh. And someone typed in all caps. It's not fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that story is like the epitome of the parent page. Like somebody saying, this is causing me a great deal of stress and anxiety. And, and somebody I, else just saying, shut it down. Stop it. I'm picturing, I'm picturing the movie Titanic with like the, the water gushing through. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Anyway. God, you forbid you tell somebody it's fine yeah it's like telling right. a, it's like telling a woman to calm down it doesn't work yeah, don't do that it, it doesn't work <laughs> relax yeah however that's our that's our favorite send-off so i think um we're gonna thank you again steve so much for joining us today we really appreciate you joining on the parent page podcast to our listeners please don't forget to keep sending us your um favorite stories of your parent page crazy at what's the email address www.theparentpagepodcast.com no no, no at gmail.com www.theparentpagepodcast.com yeah we don't know what we're doing um and just remember everybody the kids are fine everything's fine everything's fine bye-bye bye thank you steve all right steve you've been awesome can, can i say that can i say the tagline yeah. Yes. And Steve, would okay. you like to send us off today with the tagline? Go right ahead. It's all you. The kids are fine. Everything is fine. Thank you. The voice of reason from an actual doctor. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Bye-bye. Thank you. This, you. I hope you guys are having a blast. You're doing a great job. Thank oh, you thank so you. Much. We are. It's Yes. We are having a we blast. Are having, <laughs> we are having a good Thanks, time. We're a little over-caffeinated, but we're fine. The Parent Page Podcast is hosted by Leslie Zachs and Mindy Horwitz with sound editing and production from Jeff Easton. Opinions expressed on the podcast are ours and those of our guests, and everyone is welcome to respectfully disagree. It's a podcast about parent pages after all, so that's definitely to be expected. To share comments, parent page stories, or topic suggestions, please email us at theparentpagepodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Parent Page Podcast. If you'd like to support us, please click the donate button at theparentpagepodcast.wordpress.com. That's theparentpagepodcast.wordpress.com. And remember, the kids are fine. Everything is fine.